0: Welcome to Nobody Told Me.
1: I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. Would you like to be able to remember things better? Do you struggle to remember the names of people you meet briefly at a party or in a work setting? I know I do. Our guest Nelson Dallas can help. Nelson is a four-time USA memory champion and one of the leading memory experts in the world. Nelson is also
0: the author of Remember It, The Names of People You Meet, all of your passwords, where you left your keys, and everything else you tend to forget. Nelson, thank you so much for joining us.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me. Happy to be here.
0: You were born with an average memory, you say. So how did you go from that to being a four-time USA Memory Champion?
2: Yeah, uh, that sounds kind of far-fetched, and believe me, when I think about it, you know, growing up with kind of an average, nothing special memory, it's bizarre to me that I have won anything related (laughs) to memory. Um, But, you know, so I grew up with just an average memory, like you said, and um, my grandmother um, struggled with Alzheimer's for a while. It eventually passed away when I was about 26 or so. And that's kind of when I started getting interested in memory. I would look up uh, and research a lot of, you know, tips and tricks that could maybe help me as I get older um, to keep my brain straight and strong and my memory um, fine-tuned, you know? So one of the first things I discovered was memory techniques that have been around for thousands of years and these competitions where people are doing insane memory feats and that just hooked me. And from then on, I was just doing it every day.
1: I've always wondered why it is that we can remember the words to a song like, syncs bye bye bye. For example, but not dates or important things that would actually be applicable to our own lives.
2: Yeah, no, it's memory is fascinating like that. I mean, there you'll find for certain people something stick, you know, beyond anything else that they hope to stick. While for other people, it's the reverse. And um, I think what it comes down to ultimately is, well, maybe two things. One is kind of the medium of which the information is passed along. So in a song that's catchy, has a lot of visuals, it's kind of pop culture relevant at the time, Um, that sticks very easily. And then also, um, you know, things that are um, not very interesting, um, or kind of meaningless, like numbers and names that we deal with every day, um, that might be harder to memorize than something that, you know, you enjoy and, maybe is meaningful to you, bye, bye, bye. so classic, right? So these are the kinds of things that stick versus kind of the mundane um, that we hope to remember, but it's not as interesting, you know?
0: I'm wondering if you think our memories are getting a little bit worse because we have so many crutches to rely upon these days. For example, we don't have to remember phone numbers because they're programmed into our cell phones.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's that's a great point. Um, You know, nowadays, more than ever, technology can help be our memory, right? We don't really have to use it to memorize phone numbers anymore. Um, You know, Addresses, we don't have to remember where we're going because we just plug in uh, or we even copy and paste. We don't even memorize the address. We put it into our Google Maps and it takes us there. Um, But you think of like back in the day, um, at least when I was a child and I had to dial a friend's phone number or my parents number, I knew those all By memory, you know, and I can almost probably still pull them up now if I was dialing on a keypad. Um, And that's because we had to use our memory. We had to, otherwise, we were going to spend, you know, extra few minutes looking up in the directory for a number. Um, And that's not to say that um, technology is bad. I mean, this is great that we have all these things that can help our brains, but I still think there's an argument to be said uh, for using your memory still um, to kind of keep it sharper and be more on point with. Those kinds of things.
1: If people need to memorize a lot of information, say it's for school or to give a presentation for work, what can they do, especially if they're giving a talk in front of people and they have their nerves to deal with?
2: Yeah, so well the nerves comes because I think well one thing, you know, being in front of people, maybe not people are comfortable, people are uncomfortable, but another thing that causes the nerves is, you know, your uncertainty of of your memory. You're you're not sure if it's gonna be there or not. Um, if you can eliminate that though, that's you can imagine what a relief that would bring to those kinds of situations. So my go to tip for kind of being able to memorize a large amount of things kind of very confidently kind of boils down to two things. So the first thing is to visualize, to try to come up with pictures that uh, associate to things you already know that are very memorable, over-the-top, funny, silly, colorful, all those kinds of things that make something memorable. And then once you have images for whatever you're memorizing, whether it's topics of the speech, um, if you have some kind of way to make pictures for numbers, um, for someone's name, the next thing you need to do is to store that information in a place in your mind so it's easy to access and, and for certain um, there when you need it. Um, that's kind of the problem, right, is you know you know something, but you can't always access it. You know, sometimes it's on the tip of your tongue. Someone has to remind you of it. But the technique is from the Greeks. So the Greeks invented this um, thing called the memory palace technique, and you basically think of a familiar place like your house or your office, something like that, something you go to every day, and you imagine the pictures that you're representing that represent the information. You imagine those interacting with the environment as you mentally walk through it. Sounds crazy, but you know, you start at your front door of your house, and you imagine the first thing that you're memorizing let's say you're memorizing a grocery list and the first thing you want to remember is that you got to pick up some cheese right so on the front door you imagine you know some very weird image of cheese interacting with the door so maybe there's some really moldy stinky melting cheese going down the front of your door and it's just revolting to look at to smell something like that And then you would navigate into your doorway, right? That's kind of the next step as you make a path through your house. Mm -hmm. And in the entryway of your door there, maybe put the next item, which could be, you know, you got to buy some shoelaces, right? And you can imagine just kind of these maybe snakes, a snake pit of shoelaces that are alive and venomous that are kind of moving around there uh, memorably. And you repeat this process for all the things you want to memorize, go around your house, and when you want to recall it, all you have to do is think of your house and that same pathway and the images will be there.
0: Well, I'm wondering about some of the other things, though, that people have trouble remembering, like names. I think that's the the one thing that everybody can relate to, that you go to a cocktail party or something like that and you you meet someone and you forget their name five seconds later. How do we yeah. remember that?
2: Yeah. So it's it's the same kind of process. Come up with a picture and store it. Right. The memory palace specifically doesn't necessarily work for names because the problem is, well, I don't know how many people I'm going to meet in my lifetime. So where am I supposed to put them in my house? You know, mm-hmm. um, so ra- rather than thinking of a place, you know, well they can be the person themselves can be the the anchor or the the thing that you attach the image to and so whenever they show up whether it's the next day a year from now whatever they bring along with them the image that you use to remember their name so what you do is you know you're meeting someone you ask for their name bob whatever um and you come up with a picture for that word right so whatever it reminds you of or sounds like think of a picture so My image for a person named Bob is typically like kind of this uh, orange Bob that you see in the ocean floating, bobbing, right?
0: Okay. And that's my image
2: for Bob. Next thing is, as I'm looking at Bob in the face and we're maybe getting this introduction out of the way, I try to notice some kind of feature about his face, whether it's, you know, maybe he's got uh, a dimple when he smiles or he's got a really bushy eyebrow um, or a wrinkle in his brow that I notice, you know whatever comes to mind that you notice about their face and you use that as the anchor, just like we use the door to put the cheese on, you're going to put that uh, image of Sea Bob um, on his um, brow line, right? Let's say that's the thing I chose. Yeah. And you come up with a picture to kind of connect the two. And so the idea is next time I see Bob, he's going to have that same feature that I noticed. And I'm going to remember that weird image of a Bob bobbing on his, uh, his brow.
1: So it's not necessarily that you have to have a photographic memory and picture every single aspect of the situation that you met Bob in and every feature that Bob has. It's just thinking about one or two things.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, the the more detail um, and context you can give to something, I think the easier it is to remember something. So if it happens to be a party that's the most memorable party of your life, and Bob had a, a special role in that for whatever reason, You know, it's going to be easy to remember Bob, of course. But you don't need to do that, and that's a lot of work if you're going to try to do that. So just choose a feature, come up with a picture for the name, and attach them together.
0: Yeah, I've read before that surprise plays a major element in our ability to remember something. For example, we all remember where we were on 9-11 and how we heard the yeah. news because it was such a surprise, it was such a shock. But what about other times? And I mean, do you share that view that surprise is an element in our ability to remember things?
2: Definitely. And I, I use that exact same um, example uh, when I, I talk about why is it, are we able to memorize or remember details about 9-11 versus, you know, say a year ago uh, yesterday, right? right. Like, yeah. What's special about a year ago yesterday? Who knows? Um Maybe if it was actually your 21st birthday, that maybe that is a memorable day. But it's 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 all about um, things being out of the ordinary, you know. Whether it's bad or good or tragic or you know the the happiest moment of your life, these are all emotional cues that help and surprise plays into that as well that make these these days memorable over the mundane ones that we where most of it is just on repeat, right? Like we go to the we go to our office every day. We you know, have a lunch break at the same time, roughly, and we, we, de- we meet the same people every day. Um, and there are certain days that that changes, but um, it's hard to make them pop out if they're all the same. So when you have a day that's surprised surprise or it's completely different or out of the norm, um, that is going to stick out in our memories a lot better.
0: We're glad you're part of our Nobody Told Me family of listeners, and we're excited to tell you about Lomi, the world's first smart waste appliance. If you've struggled with composting and feel it's too much work or feel bad that you're not doing your part to help the environment, you have
1: to check out Lomi. Lomi is a countertop electric composter and I love it because I don't have a traditional garbage disposal. With Lomi, I don't need to take a lot of trips to the garbage with food waste. I just turn food scraps into dirt with the push of a button. And in just a minute, we'll tell you about a special offer from Lomi for our Nobody Told Me listeners.
0: I love my Lomi because just about anything I'd put in the kitchen disposer can be put into the Lomi on my countertop and turned into dirt in four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it's really quiet. Since I got my loamy, I throw out way
1: less garbage. Me too. And you know, I think it's cut down my kitchen garbage by at least a half. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, my loamy turns my food waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. It is so
0: cool to see. I feel great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of garbage. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt now for my garden, and Lomi is so easy to use. While you may want to get a Lomi for yourself, you may also want to get one for someone on your holiday list. This is a great gift that will help someone year-round. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. Head to Lomi.com slash NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash NTM. And again, that's Lomi spelled L O M I. Use promo code NTM at checkout food waste is gross. Lomi is your solution. With the holidays just around the corner, Lomi will make the perfect gift for someone on your shopping list. Just head to Lomi.com slash NTM and use the promo code NTM to get $50 off your Lomi.
1: How important is it to make sure that the information that we hear is somehow related to something relevant in our own lives?
2: It's, it's always tough interacting with people knowing what's you know, a conversation that you need to remember versus another. Um, you might think, obviously, if you're talking to a family member, this is something you want to maybe cherish or or pay attention to. Versus another person that you think you're briefly meeting, um, but you know that person you're briefly meeting could end up being, you know, you're you're starting a job tomorrow and it's your boss, you know, by by, by chance, and and you wish you now remembered that conversation so you'd have a leg up, right? Yeah. yeah. Um. So I mean. The thing about memory techniques is, it starts with kind of this frame of mind where you're first believing that you ha- you can have a good memory if you if you try and you you make a bit of an effort. Um, and then once you do that, it's you see everything through a different lens, and you know that what you're looking at or what you're hearing can be memorized if you try a little harder. And the very simple thing that you can do is pay more attention. Um, because you know that your memory will respond better if you're paying attention. So when you start to open your mind to that and other memory techniques, and you realize that, hey, I actually kind of have a good memory with a little bit of help, um, you realize every conversation is kind of interesting, and you try to make it interesting so that you can remember as much as possible, not just the ones that that seem to count, but you know may or may not.
0: Just before we started this interview, I got a text from my husband saying he was locked out of the house because he'd forgotten his keys. <laughs> so I think this it's is extremely relevant, very right? appropriate. So I'm wondering what suggestions do you have for remembering where you left the keys?
2: That's great. Yeah. And how frustrating is that? Right. Um, so I have a few of these tips in my book and, you know, it's it's not as controls a situation like that as, as, you know, coming up with images and memory palaces. Um, because a lot of the time when you're placing your keys down, it's well, why you forget where you put your keys is because you place them down in a hurry. Um, you know, you're not always actively thinking like, here I am putting down these keys. I should remember this, right? Um, so what I encourage people to do, and again, being interested in memory and trying some of these memory exercises actually helps with when you put your keys down. But, um, one thing is to try to foolproof yourself, right? So, you know, the forgetful you is going to forget things. So first of all, try to make a a spot where you always put the keys, right? Whether it's hanging on a hook when you walk in the door and a little tray, and that is where you always put your keys, right? So that no matter what, if you're, um, on the, in in a rush on your way out, it's, it's, they're going to be there, right? Right. Obviously, life gets in the way. Sometimes you have to put down your keys quickly to, you know, chase after your two-year-old who's running out the door. Um, so what you try to do is that when you when you put your keys down, is try to be a little more cognizant, um, take in as much information as you can, and if you have a moment to remember this, and this this really helps, is to make some kind of weird personal gesture or or sound um, or action um, in that moment to help you remember. Um, that moment where you put down the key so it can be a little embarrassing when you try to do something a little kind of discreet maybe like pinch your cheek or kind of make a a, a tiny high-pitched squeal like to yourself you know you can you can be as interesting as you want this to be but the idea is that if you forget where your keys are you now have a cue or an anchor uh, of this bizarre out of the norm kind of little action that will tie you to where you place your keys you know
1: Are there any foods or supplements or any diets that you can follow that might help you remember things better?
2: That's a good question. So, more and more, you're seeing that diet plays a role in in kind of our our brain health as well. Um, Even some doctors talk about Alzheimer's as being kind of like this type 3 diabetes. Um, And so, there are certain things you can eat that help kind of keep your brain healthy. Um, Some diets, claim, and and it's maybe too soon to say definitively, but I've experimented and and seen some results where my brain was a little sharper on certain diets. Um, Some of the foods that I mentioned uh, typically are trying to get DHA omega-3. You can get that in in fish typically, but if you don't eat fish a lot, then you can get it in supplements very easily. That's one thing I try to take every single day. Uh, It's a fatty acid that's found in the brain naturally anyways that our brain needs, and um, uh, things that are antioxidants, so that that reduce inflammation in the body, um, that's been shown to kind of give you a clearer mind. Um, and then in terms of diets, um, I've experimented with kind of um, paleo diets and and keto diets and things where you're cutting down carbs and sugars and processed foods, and you find that when you're you're when you cut stuff like that out, you you just have such a clear mind. Um, and I think in the long term, that would that would uh, help with your brain health.
0: From the research you've done, how much of a person's quality of memory do you think is due to things like heredity, which are really out of our control?
2: You know, I don't think that much. Um, maybe if we're talking about natural memory abilities. Um, but the thing is, is with, with technique, um, with some of the techniques that are in my book and that I've talked about so far and practice, right? So intense to, to actually try to use your memory. Um, we can all have a phenomenal memory. Um, and I've worked with people who are older business professionals, retirees, um, students, kids in grade school. This always works. Uh, we, always, we all have the capability of doing things that We do in memory competitions. It's just nobody's ever shown us and we don't um, necessarily work on our memories every day. You know, memory is a skill. And if you want to be good at remembering things, then you got to give it a bit of love every day. You know,
1: if you have a family history of Alzheimer's, does practicing mental fitness help prevent dementia or diseases along that line?
2: Good question. Um, I don't know if I'm the perfect person to answer that, um, just because I'm not a doctor. But I like to think that yes, if you're, if you're, you know, regardless if it's if it's hereditary or you're just, you know, your future self is going to have Alzheimer's. I think working on your memory um, and kind of developing these memory tools and tricks and tips, um, those have to serve as kind of crutches as you get older and your brain's not as quick. Um, you know, and you're starting to forget things, you're going to have these crutches and this toolbox of, of ways to help your memory when it's when it's, it's fading. So I have to think that it would help if it's not prevented, it, if uh, at least push it back a little bit. Right.
0: Our nobody told me conversation continues as we tell you about paired the relationship app for couples. How does it work? Well, you and your partner download the app, Pair together, and every day, paired gives you questions, quizzes, and games to have fun, stay connected, and deepen your conversations. It's simple and often hilarious and heartwarming. Each day, you get a quiz to play or a question to answer, and you can't see your partner's answer until you answer yourself. Whether you're just a few dates in or have been together a long time, it's time to lighten the mood and have fun with your partner by using paired. My husband and I have been together for decades, and we really enjoy using paired. Let's face it, you need to work to keep a relationship fresh and growing, and paired helps a lot with that. We love the questions paired asks us to answer about each other, like, what's something you admire most about your partner, and what's one new activity you could try together this month? If you're in the younger age group and have a newer relationship, paired is a wonderful way to get to know someone better. You might really like the Paired quizzes about managing jealousy, saying sorry, and gender roles at home. Try it out to spark meaningful conversations with your partner every day with fun, research-based conversation starters. Paired has hundreds of questions, quizzes, games, and tips curated by acclaimed relationship therapists and academics. And Paired has a special offer for our Nobody Told Me listeners. Head to paired.com slash nobody to get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. Just head to paired.com slash nobody to sign up today. Connect with your partner every day using paired. A happier relationship starts there. Just head to paired.com slash nobody to sign up today. Get a seven-day free trial and 25% off if you sign up for a subscription. What suggestions do you have for remembering passwords? Because most of us these days don't have just one password to remember. Uh, yeah.
2: yeah, that's so frustrating, right? And Even <laughs> yes. when you have, you have your one password, it, it goes through all sorts of alterations for this thing that requires, you know, three capital letters and this one needs four symbols and a capital letter.
0: Right. And um, then you need to change it every few months. And
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. So what I recommend, um, I mean, that's one of these things that it's tempting to just keep track of them and write them down. They have apps for that and stuff. But I do encourage people to really try to, to use techniques to memorize passwords. It's a great exercise. Um, and then one of the things that I have a few different techniques described in my book, but in essence, it's kind of like what you do with the with a name, right? So let's say you bank at Chase, and you have your login for Chase Bank, right? Um, so what you would do is you'd have some password, and you wanna come up with something that um, is memorable in a way. So if it's your favorite keyword that you always use, um, uh, you can use that or whatever, um, and then, what you would do is attach that to something to do with Chase, right? So you imagine the logo itself and kind of attach the image for the password to that. Um, Or you think of maybe branch that you actually walk into and, and imagine the image there. So you try to connect them together so that that password is specifically to Chase, right? And then in terms of coming up with a good password that's more memorable, right? Because then the thing is, you know, I know my keyword, but again, maybe it's, I maybe I, a one on this one versus my typical one doesn't have the one. How do I remember that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think coming up with a, a, a unique password um, that is unforgettable um, is, is probably, that's related to where that password leads you right so specifically to chase um i'd give you tips but it's it's kind of in depth um it's it's in my book and on my website and stuff but um the idea is, is try to come up with some kind of formula uh for where for how you construct your passwords right so maybe um it's based around a name and a number right or a place that you like and a number right so then you always know that every password is going to be that kind of structure. Yeah, and then and then you can try to you know if if Chase Bank is your thing and you always do a uh, a person and a number, then maybe you want to you know come up with some kind of person or name that has to, that reminds you of Chase Bank somehow. You know, I'm not saying do Chase, um, but something Bank associated. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the number, you know, it could be maybe your pin code that for the bank, right? Or something to do with a date with that bank. Um, there's many different ways to do this. But in general, you want to try to attach it to the actual thing that it's allowing you to access online.
1: That's good advice. Nelson, I'd never heard of memory athletes until I heard about you and your story. And I'm wondering what memory competitions are like and if the average person can train for these.
2: Yeah, so they're fascinating. Um, and when you see people do what they do at these competitions, you think it's impossible and there's no way I could do that. Um, and that was my thought when I first uh, came across them. but. You know, you hear the same stories from almost all these different memory athletes is that, oh, I never had a good memory. I heard about memory techniques and I practiced and now I'm able to do this or I've won a championship. Um, And what's interesting is you see all sorts of people in these competitions, you know, kids, older people, um, students, business professionals, athletes, um, pizza delivery guys, moms, it, it's all across the board and that's because everybody has a memory and, and you, anybody can improve their memory just with a bit of, bit of practice.
0: So how would you start? How, where would you suggest people uh, go if they'd like more information on these competitions?
2: Yeah. So the, in the U S there's the USA memory championship. So I think if you just Google that or the website's USA memory You can find some information about it and what the events are that, you know, decide who the champion is. Right. So you would learn those, those, those disciplines. So it's memorizing cards and numbers and names and words, and then you learn a bit of the rules. So you know how it's going to be presented to you, the information, and then you just train, right? Just like you go to the gym and you, you know, you do arm curls or leg presses, you know, you, you work different muscles, um, so that in general in life, you're fit, right? Um, you can do the same with these kind of competitions is, is you learn the different events, you practice those and use your memory techniques to, to get better and better. And eventually you'll get good at, you know, you'll be p- prepared for this competition, but at the same time, you're working out your memory in general, which can help in the real life.
1: Something else that is so interesting about your background is that you're this really accomplished mountain climber. And I'm wondering how your memory skills have helped your climbing and vice versa.
2: Yeah, um, so not many people would think this, but memory, uh, I'm sorry, uh, mountaineering or climbing has a lot to do with, uh, there's a big mental side to it. Um, and if you think about it, yes, it's physical, you have to get yourself from point A to point B on this mountain. Um, a lot of it is really long, really painful, cold, uncomfortable situations that you just kind of have to mentally push through. Um and so my memory techniques, you know, I'm sitting there for hours kind of trying to hone in. It's kind of a, a, a sort of a meditation where I'm trying to keep my mind focused on one thing for a certain amount of time uh, to produce a result. And so I've definitely pulled a lot of that out to my mountaineering because, you know, you want to quit because it's, it's hurting. You can't breathe. And, um, you know, when you just block that out for a few hours, um, if you're able to do that, you're going to get to your goal and summit. So it's definitely helped out Um, and then vice versa, right? Mountaineering makes you stronger mentally and that has kind of transferred over to these memory competitions as well.
1: And can you tell us a little bit about your charity, Climb for Memory?
2: Yep. So uh, Climb for Memory is a charity that I started about eight years ago. Um, Once I was getting into the world of memory techniques, I was just fascinated by it, and even more fascinated by the fact that nobody typically knows about these techniques or these competitions. It's it's largely unused by the general population, and I wish it weren't. I wish people were taught these things in grade school, um, and it should be. Um, So anyways, I I, I decided I needed to come up with a way to, one, bring attention to Alzheimer's. Uh, And then second, also to make people aware of these techniques and brain health as a whole. So I thought, okay, well, I'm nobody. You know, I I need to find a way to to get people's attention. And so mountaineering seemed to be the answer to that. Um, I like to go in these big climbs. And I thought, why not tie that to something that might turn some heads, right? So I go climb Everest, and people are fascinated by that. And, oh, I'm going to learn a little bit about memory and, and and maybe help support uh, some Alzheimer's research. So Climb for Memory is the result of that. It's this charity that I, I climb mountains or organize mountain climbs around the world um, to bring awareness and funds to Alzheimer's research.
0: Nelson, our show is called Nobody Told Me, and we always ask our guests, what's your nobody told me lesson? What is it that nobody told you about memory or, or life or whatever? You can take it wherever you want to go what is it that nobody told you that you wish somebody had told you and that you'd maybe like to pass on to others?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's exactly the message I, I'm saying on your show is is that nobody told me that you could have a good memory. You know, I always thought that memory was something that you were either born with, like good memory or a bad memory. And that was kind of written in stone and unchangeable. And yeah, there was, you know, I, in, in college, I used little mnemonic tricks to help me remember things. But Nothing to the extent that I'm able to do now. Um, I never imagined that that would be the case for me, that I could have this championship-level memory. So nobody told me that uh, memory is moldable. No matter how bad you think your memory is, um, you have a memory champion in you. Um, so I'm telling everybody on your show, so they can't say nobody told them that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's I love great. that. Yeah. And Nelson, how can people connect with you on social media?
2: Yeah, um... First, my website's com. Feel free to go there. There's memory tips, and I have a blog, and it uh, connects to all my social there, and people can send me questions if they have any. And then um, I'm big on my YouTube channel. Uh, I post a lot of uh, memory how-to videos there, and you just search Nelson Dellis memory. You'll find tons of stuff.
0: All right, super. Nelson, thank you so much
2: for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope I was able to give you guys some little tips that are helpful.
0: Some absolutely great advice. We really appreciate it. Our guest has been Nelson Dallas, author of Remember It, The Names of People You Meet, All of Your Passwords, Where You Left Your Keys, and Everything Else You Tend to Forget. And again, you can connect with him at com. I'm Jan Black. And I'm Laura Owens. You're listening to Nobody Told Me. Thank you so much for joining us.